Good evening and welcome to the digital campus broadcast of Newark United Pentecostal Church. I thank you for spending some time with us. If this is your first time to join us, welcome. You just listened to a song called Graves into Gardens. It's by a group called Elevation Worship. Uh, and you, um, you may have heard this song before. You may have uh, enjoyed it. You may have never heard this song before. This week we're looking at songs and specifically the scriptures that are behind these songs. Um, and at the outset, I want to give you a neat resource that I have found uh, to use. It's a young man that uh, does a great job, in my opinion, of looking at songs in light of scripture. How, you know, Christian songs, how, how scripturally based are they? And uh, you can check his website out, call it the Berean Test. The Berean Test, that's T-H-E-B-E-R-E-A-N test.com. It's, it's taken from the passage in Acts that talks about the Bereans and how they checked the scriptures, whether the things that Paul taught them were in fact so. Tonight, I, uh, you are going to also learn a little bit about uh, me. You're going to learn a little bit about my taste um, songs are poetry, and I don't typically like poetry. The spoken poetry does not appeal to me. The written poetry does not appeal to me. But poetry does something that I do understand, even as I don't personally, I'm not, I'm not appealed to, I, I don't feel moved by uh, the spoken poetry or the written poetry. Um, Poetry attempts to evoke and to create pictures by words. And uh, we do this with words. We do this with language and all kinds of things. Uh, novels are, are doing that as well. But poetry does something different than that. It's, it's, it's trying to take something that is hard to express and express it into words. And songs are poetry. But they're not just poetry and they're not just pictures that are painted in words, but they are pictures that are painted in words that are innervated or made to come alive in a unique fashion by sound. And by that, I don't just mean voice, but I mean actually music. And that poetry, that speaks to me. So the first thing that you may not know about uh, Stephen Beardsley is, is I love music. Um, in fact, my wife and I have an argument about who loves music more. She is a musician. She understands music. Uh, she can analyze music. She can build music. She can break down music. In fact, she did a great job last night uh, talking to us about music and its role in our worship, in our personal lives, in all of these different areas. But I don't know who's moved more by music, her or me. Because she's so much into it and because she's so technical with it and because she can create music, sometimes I think she misses the movement. I, I can't sing. I cannot create music. I do not play an instrument. Music moves me. It's powerful. It's poetry, pictures in words, made to come alive by sound. And uh, you may not know, but I love anthems, big songs. 
And you got to understand that many times anthems don't work in congregational singing. In fact, some of the best anthems are built and are displayed and are sung and are uh, in massive uh, cathedrals and in, in massive coliseums. They're usually built for thousands of people. If they really work, they work because thousands of people can lend their voice to a band or lend their voice to a very complex orchestration of, of sound. But I love anthems. I love to listen to anthems. In fact, my preferred, if there's an album that's being played, I go look for the live version of it. Because I, I think there's something about live as opposed to a studio that captures that anthem. And so my song for tonight, as you already know, is an anthem. It is, a, it is a big song. It's by a group called Elevation Worship. Uh, you're seeing some covers that we've, that we've uh, used for the broadcast tonight. And that's due to copyright, uh, respecting their rights to, to have published the song. Um, what's amazing about this song to me is, first of all, its title. Its title is the entire biblical story. When we begin with the human story, it begins with the creation by a creator and the placing of humanity within a garden. And as you and I both know, disobedience then led to sin, led to expulsion, led to death. But there was a loving creator who said, I'm not going to give up. And so he was born a human. That loving creator became one of us and he was born to die. And so the graves portion evokes two elements, both at the same time of the biblical narrative. First, our own death, our own grave, but then also the grave of the master. But then the amazing thing is, is it's not graves that stay graves, but it's rather it's graves into gardens because out of his birth and his death come forgiveness. And from forgiveness comes a new life. And from a new life comes a return not yet apprehended, but already begun, a return to the garden. In fact, the imagery of the New Jerusalem evokes many of those same images that were found within the garden. And so the first thing is, is I don't know if the songwriters, I can't hardly believe that they were not aware of this, but they, in that very title, and you hear that phrase, graves into gardens throughout the song, evokes the whole entire biblical story from beginning to end. And the power of our loving creator to take what is a grave and turn it into a garden. Now, there's a lot of, of lyrics in this song, and I'm not going to focus on all of them, but I want to draw your attention to several. So first is there's two different parts of the song that basically evoke the same basic sentiment. So the lines are, oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. And then also the refrain, you're the only one who can, referring to turning graves into gardens and other lines that I'll talk about in a moment. You're the only one who can. I could literally spend another 20 minutes reading scripture after scripture after scripture to you about this basic notion that there's no one like God and there's no one better than God. Suffice it to say, Isaiah 46 verse 9 captures it. God describing himself says, For I alone am God, I am God, and there is none 
like me. That claim to exclusivity and uniqueness. He's the only one who can do the things that he's doing in this world. And he's the only one who can perform the miracle of turning a grave, whether literal or figurative, into a garden, transforming that which is meant for evil and turning it into good. There's nothing better than him. You can search the world. You can look all over, but you'll find nothing better than this God. Now, the second thing I want to turn your attention to is two different refrains. And one of them is, I, I think, I guess you'd kind of call it a chorus. And then another is, I think, a bridge. I think of them as where the song begins to build. I think of them as where it begins to turn anthem-like. You turn mourning to dancing. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. And then, as we've already talked about, you're the only one who can. And this has very strong scriptural basis. Psalm 30, verse 11, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing, the psalmist writes. And then in Isaiah 61, verse 3, To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. And so you see there that language of mourning turns into dancing and beauty for ashes. This whole concept of the shame of sin when Adam and Eve had had sinned and had, had disobeyed and had eaten and, and they were ashamed and God took that and is turning it back into glory. Even in holiness, we are presented with the opportunity to how we present ourselves to the world is an opportunity to basically reflect his glory. What was meant to shame us, nakedness, now as we clothe ourselves and present ourselves to the world, we now turn back to being the image of God and evoking and reflecting his glory. And then the part that gets real big, and this is the part that really appeals to me. This is, this is the song and the type of song I go to when perhaps I'm feeling down or, or I'm feeling overwhelmed or I'm feeling unworthy. This is the kind of song, and you'd probably find it funny if you ever saw me, uh, because I, I go find a private place, and, and I don't sing out loud but there's an intensity that I let the songwriter and the singers and the, and, the, and the band play forth for me as it flows out of me to my creator. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only one who can. These three are impossible images. Graves into gardens. Bones into armies. That's evoking the picture of Ezekiel 37 as the Lord showed Ezekiel the valley of dry bones and he, the power of God to take a, a people who were dead and to raise them into a new life, to make them a mighty army. And then seas into highways evokes the, the Exodus story, Exodus 14, where God opens a way where there was no way. You are the only one who can. And so this song for me 
has has good strong scriptural basis and again i i encourage you to check out the website thebereantest.com you can go into a lot more detail and and see where maybe the song and the poetic uh, impulses draw it one direction or another or maybe they could have phrased it a little bit better from theological perspectives but for me and for this week's series this song is a big song it is an anthem and it's a song that i listen to whenever I need to be reminded that God is committed to me. God is committed to taking my graves and turning them into gardens. He's committed, as the scripture says, to finish what he has begun within me. And while my grave looks overwhelming, and while my life of bones looks absolutely impossible, and while there seems to be barriers all around, he's the only one who can turn graves into gardens. He's the one who can take my bones and turn them into armies. He's the one who can make a highway where there happens to be a sea. He's the only one who can. This song is powerful. As I said at the outset, it is poetry. It is words painting a picture. It is words that are brought alive by music, by sound. It's powerful. And music is part of the way that we are reminded of who God is. It's part of the way we can encourage ourselves in the Lord. It is part of the way that we can speak to ourselves, as Paul said, in songs and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to be playing the piano and I'm not going to be strumming a guitar. Somebody else is going to have to play the music for me and somebody else is even going to have to sing it. But if you're like me and you can't make music, you can still use music to encourage yourself and to strengthen yourself. And the more powerfully based in Scripture the words are, the more moving the music is. And to kind of illustrate that, I want you to listen to this second rendition of the song. First, I want you to listen to the words anew, but I also want you to listen to the difference in how it's done. There's no right or wrong way in one sense with regard to that, you know, even an anthem can be big and loud and a lot of band music and a lot of instruments, or it can be stripped down. It can be simple. But the power lies in how it evokes within us a reminder of the God we serve, of his faithfulness, of his goodness. So at the end of this broadcast, I'm just going to close out with this music. I want you to end in worship here. And so we thank you for joining us. If you want to know more about us, check us out at newarkupc.info. And again, I hope you're encouraged tonight that the God we serve is a God who takes graves and turns them into gardens. God bless you all. Be encouraged.